listening to the Joe Mays and Jay Rapp Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. The Big Ten Championship lies on a measurement. Did he get it? No! He didn't get it! Penn State holds! They brought back the fun, they brought back the excitement, and now they brought back a Big Ten Championship. The Penn State Nittany Lions are Big Ten Champions. And the NFL. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Pretty. Lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. Let the celebration begin. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rappa. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 263rd episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I am flying solo this evening, so you're stuck with just me, Joe Mays, here because, well, Justin Rapoff unavailable this evening, but we must forge ahead to continue our 2018 NFL preview series. We've covered a few of them so far, where we're more than halfway here, and actually, we're going to do two tonight. So if you're sticking with me here live on JMNJR Radio, on the Joe Mays and JRAF show, or if you're listening in the future via podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud, or even watching the show after the fact on YouTube, we are doing the AFC and NFC North divisions tonight. So eight more teams covered this evening, and then next week I will be doing the AFC East as well as playoff predictions, and I... I I will have a little input from JRAF tonight. Justin sent me what he thinks will happen in the AFC and NFC North divisions. So plugging right along on the 2018 NFL previews, we got to get it done because in a few short weeks, Justin and I will be full go on the Bulldog Hour season four. We've already done two episodes of the show previewing the off season, uh, previewing the upcoming season, talking about the off season. And we will talk about coaches and players and interviews with them on episodes coming up. So with this show focused on pro football, we got to get all of our previews done. So we're going to finish those up this week and next week before we dive headfirst into the Pennsylvania High School football action. So again, for this evening, AFC and NFC North, probably be a little shorter show than usual. I don't do too many by myself, so it'll just be me talking if you can handle that. If not, we do have ways that you can contact the show, and this is always a great time to do sh- do so. And let me pull that up for you, and you can take a look at it if you're watching us 
Uh, we did debut a few weeks ago, troubleshoot a few things here and there, but we are broadcasting live simultaneously on four different platforms now. We are doing it on Facebook Live, Periscope, which is through Twitter, our Ustream account, and also on YouTube Live. So there's very many ways you can watch it, broadcast the show live. And if you'd like to interact with us, there's a few ways you can do that. The best way to do so is probably the Maze Sandwich Shop email inbox, which is joemazeandjraf at gmail.com. Again, joemazeandjraf at gmail.com. Make sure you like our page on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We'd love to be able to talk with you uh, live during the show or afterwards get your take on what we said on the show. And you can also call the May Sandwich Shop hotline at 530-563-6297. Or if you are watching live, just leave comments in the variety of the, uh, the threads that we have posted. And uh, I will do my best to answer any questions you have, especially if you're one of, a fan of one of the eight teams we're covering tonight. Or if you want to you know, just talk about what we covered last week, which was a big one, the NFC East. So we had to talk Justin's Eagles, my dad's Cowboys, Saquon, Barkley's Giants, and, the well, the Redskins. I, sorry, I don't have anything to say about Washington. We picked them to finish last. Uh, if you think we're wrong about that, let us know. So this evening, we're going to start with the NFC North up first. So the Vikings won that division last year at 13-3. They were one of the best teams in the league the entire season. They fell to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And actually have a brand new quarterback. So they brought in Kirk Cousins from the Redskins. And will look look to reign supreme in that division once again this year. It's been them or the Packers every year since 2011. The Bears won the division in 2010. And well, you have to go back a long time to remember the last time the Detroit Lions won the division. And actually, at the time that the Lions won the division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were still in uh, the division, which was at the time called the NFC Central. So the Lions haven't won a division title since 1993. So it's been a while for the Detroit Lions. And, you know, spoiler, but I don't think this is going to be their year either. But we're going to start with the Chicago Bears. As you know, if you've been listening or watching our shows, we've been doing them alphabetically by region or city and the bears are up first in our nfc north preview so i'm going to pull up what uh justin sent to me about the nfc north and let's go to his bears pick he actually has them in last place but he does says that they're building something good there they're going to struggle a bit this year they he expects them to finish six and ten now, that's only a one game better than last year as the Bears went 5-11 and and uh, eventually turned to Mitchell Trubisky, who was the number two overall pick in the 2017 draft. A lot of people are pretty high on him entering his second season in the league. I can't say that I'm any different on that. I think actually the Bears will be better this year. I think they're actually going to be better than 6-10. and I'm going to say that the Bears are going to go, let's see, they were 5-11 and last year. I actually think I'm going to say the Bears get all the way to 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I I don't know. I feel something about uh, the, the Windy City football this year I think is going to be a little bit better. I do think, you know, they were stuck with John Fox for a number of years. He had 
his his best years are well, you know, way long ago now when it was in Carolina, but he had a few good years in Denver. Wasn't able to get them over the top there. Just kind of middle of the pack with the Bears. But I think uh, Matt Nagy coming in from the Chiefs and also kind of a, a local guy here, uh, South Central, Southeastern PA, you know, Mannheim Central product. I think that there's a good chance for the Bears to surprise some people this year. Uh, you know, they they had a tough go last year, but I just think there's an opportunity there for them to improve enough uh, in the division that they're not going to be last place. I also like to throw a wrench into my picks because I've kind of been going status quo a lot uh, the first times we've been doing this, and I, I just like to change it up a little bit because there's always – uh, an ebb and flow with the teams and divisions. And while I don't think the Bears are going to compete for the division title, I think they'll be better. And I think I'm going to place them at 8-8 eight and eight and third place in the NFC North in 2018. Again, the biggest change was hiring Matt Nagy to coach the team. Uh, they're still, I believe, their number one pick, Roquan Smith, is still... Uh, MIA as training camp uh, begins and he's having a uh, you know neg- negotiation issues being a top 10 pick that sometimes happened Saquon Barkley just signed with the Giants today a couple other picks are just getting into camp now so things are really heating up as teams open up camp or prepare to open up camp hopefully the Bears can get Smith in and signed uh, quickly so Last year, Tariq Cohen kind of burst on the scene at the beginning of the year, although Jordan Howard was the workhorse back. I think that one-two punch of Cohen and Howard is a good one to have. Receiver-wise, nothing outstanding for two reasons. One, underproduction or just can't live up to the athletic label that he had in college is Kevin White. Is he going to be able to do anything finally in what I think this will be? What is this his third or fourth year now in, in the NFL? Um, yeah, this will be his fourth year. He And he's played sparingly, hasn't had a huge impact for the Bears. They'll need production from him this year. One of our favorites, though, here on the show, Allen Robinson, the Penn State product. The only reason I'm not high on the Bears receivers is, well, Robinson's coming off a significant injury, tearing his ACL early last season, I believe – if it wasn't in training camp or preseason, it was the very beginning of the first game. I can't recall off the top of my head how early it was, but he is now in Chicago and should be the number one receiver there. And they did bring in Taylor Gabriel from the Falcons, who also had a bit of a, a breakthrough, at least fantasy-wise, over the last few seasons. So potential in the receiving core, uh, but it could have some issues getting open for Trubisky. Tight ends, Trey Burton, the Eagles, the Philly Special, one of the guys part of the Philly Special. Uh, he's signed with Chicago, and he's also there with one of my former Dolphins, Deion Sims. Uh, defensively, I think if Rokon Smith signs and gets into camp, he, he was one of the guys I wanted the Dolphins to get uh, at 11, but uh, he went to the Bears a few picks earlier. And he should be the anchor inside for the Bears' defense. And uh, they do have an interesting uh, secondary that I enjoy to watch. Adrian Amos, one of my favorites from Penn State years ago. He's been playing superb for the Bears over the last few years. 
They br- also brought in former first-round pr- Prince Amakamara, and they also have Kyle Fuller, who had an incredible rookie season and has had a tough time matching it. But overall, again, I, I think I'm not as down on them as Justin is. He says six and ten, one game better. I'll give him. I think that they could get to eight and eight, and that all relies obviously on Mitchell Trubisky. If he can have a, a stellar season, I think this team can get to five hundred. Another offseason, another draft, and I think they can start to climb back into the double digit wins and push for a uh, division title. So we're gonna move on now to the Detroit Lions, who Justin has at eight and eight, and he just says they're average. So why not? Uh, have their record reflect that. So he, Justin says Detroit eight and eight average, third place in the NFC North for the 2018 season. Um, let's talk a little bit about what they did last year. Again, uh, the Lions they were nine and seven, which actually was good for second in the NFC North. But I don't know. I, what Justin says about him is uh, probably about right, but. It, they're just unspectacular to me. Um, you know, they, they they came on strong at the end of the end of the year. We're pushing pushing for the playoffs, but you know, nine and seven. Justin has him one step back at eight and eight. For some reason, I'm just thinking that this isn't going to be a stellar season for them. And I think with the Bears getting better, I'm just not sure where the Lions are going to slot slot in. Uh, they've got a new coach in Matt Patricia um, after fi- firing Jim Caldwell. Um, you know, they brought in LeGarrette Blunt from the Eagles, from the Super Bowl champion Eagles. I know Justin wants me to say that as often as possible. Um, they brought in Matt Castle as a backup quarterback, you know, but they lost Eric Ebron. They lost Haloti Nada, and they lost Travis Swanson, their center. Uh, replacing him in the draft of Frank Ragnow, the center from Arkansas in the first round. They did get Carrion Johnson, the running back from Auburn, in the second round. And Deshaun Hand, I thought, was a great pick in the fourth round, the defensive lineman from Alabama. But I don't know. It just I've never been a huge Matthew Stafford fan. And while I think he could put up numbers, even with the departure a few years ago of Calvin Johnson, for some reason I just don't see him as a long-term franchise quarterback despite him being there what now how long has he been there uh he was uh picked first overall in 2009 so what this is his 10th season already uh but what have they done with him there not all that much and i don't know that it's going to get much better this year who knows amir abdullah was supposed to be a potential rotational running back guy and he's that at best now may not even make the team out of camp like i said they brought in legarrette blonde they drafted carrion johnson they also have theo riddick and zach zenner but they kind of have a, a bunch of guys there that I don't know. I don't know if they instill fear in anyone. Blunt's a journeyman now, winning a couple Super Bowls with various teams. But there were times last year that the Eagles probably they, they could have done without him, and maybe the Lions will figure that this year as well. They do have um, a decent trio at wide receiver: Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay. I think all the three of them are, are good good enough to um, compete. Uh, t- tight end wise, we talked about them losing Ebron, and they brought in Luke Wilson from the Seahawks, but n- not 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 too much there, at least name wise. Uh, defensively, Ezekiel answers the big guy there, and uh, a-, a couple of uh, Alabama guys we mentioned 
earlier Deshaun Hand coming in, but they also have Ashawn Robinson and adding Sylvester Williams and the Penn Stater, one of our favorites from a few years ago, Anthony Zettel. And defensively, otherwise, hmm, not, not a whole lot. Glover Quinn, Quandra Diggs. All right. I, I, it just, oh, Darius Slay. Oh, I almost forgot Darius Slay. So they have some pieces, but not a lot of depth, not a lot of things jumping out at me. If Stafford has a bad year with the stable of running backs, I don't know. Nine and seven last year, I think they're going to step step back a bit. I could see them going seven and nine or even six and ten and finishing last place in the NFC North. Uh, in, I know getting a new coach in, new style sometimes can be a boost for clubs, but I don't know. I, I For some reason, I just don't feel it for the Lions this year. You can tell me I'm completely wrong and crazy. That's fine. But I, I just think uh, the Lions, to me, are the, are, the, are going to be fourth place in the NFC North this coming year. Which brings us to the Packers, who last year were surprisingly 7-9 and nine and third in the North. But, of course, they had to uh, do without Aaron Rodgers, who uh, was lost to another collarbone injury in Week 6. And uh, they lost 8 of their next 11 games and uh, had their first losing season since 2008. So it was a rough go without their franchise quarterback, one of the best players in the game. And uh, we got to see the likes of Joe Callahan and Brett Hundley primarily uh, taking snaps for the Vikings. And with, with uh, Rodgers, they were 4-1. That, that's probably the important thing to talk about. And... Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting should Aaron Rodgers stay healthy, which is always a big if, if he can stay healthy. I expect Green Bay to be back up there at the top. They are 4-1 uh, with him, losing only to the Falcons in Atlanta before losing uh, three in a row after Rodgers went down. And like I said, losing eight out, out of 11. And two of those, they won in overtime against the Buccaneers and the Browns. So they struggle without Aaron Rodgers. That just shows how important how important he is to the Packers and to quarterbacks around the NFL. Rodgers is still one of the best in the game, uh, even as we move close to what you would think soon would be his swan song in the NFL. Uh, he's getting up there just like Tom Brady and Eli Manning. Um, so they had some changes in the front office, and we saw that reflected in free agency. They lost Morgan Burnett. Uh, but they brought in, or excuse me, I think they re-signed David House. They said goodbye to Jeff Janis, Richard Rodgers, and linebacker Joe Thomas while bringing in uh, Deshaun Kaiser via trade where they got rid of Demarius Randall, but also added Muhammad Wilkerson, Jimmy Graham, Tremont Williams, Mercedes Lewis, Byron Bell, it's just a lot, a couple of big names there. And Wilkerson from the Jets and Jimmy Graham, who sure isn't the guy that he was with Drew Brees and the Saints years ago. Uh, you know, but I, he never really met expectations in Seattle, but he's still a big name and could be a huge piece for Aaron Rodgers uh, when, you know, as long as he stays healthy the whole season. Um, they got rid of Jordy Nelson, and that's probably. That's probably their biggest loss. Demarius Randall is t a tough one there. I think uh, 
they need to have a another option there in the secondary after losing Randall. Um, but they did bring in two cornerbacks early in the draft in Jair Alexander from Louisville and Joshua Jackson from Iowa. Two cornerbacks, two secondary guys that should be uh, playing some meaningful time this fall. So let's take a look at the schedule for the Packers. Oh, they don't have it listed here. That's on. All right, there we go. Got that one up here. So they play the Chicago Bears the first week, Vikings the second week, both at home. So two division games the first two weeks, and they finish the season with a division game against the Detroit Lions. Uh, hmm. They, they, do, they get the Patriots this year. At Seattle, oh man, that's a that's a tough midseason schedule. After their bye, so after their bye is at the Rams, at the Patriots, host the Dolphins, at Seattle, at Minnesota. Wow, that is brutal. That is a that might be the toughest stretch that we've talked about on this show. I know there's a few times we went, you know, three out of four being really tough, but that's four out of five that are tough, and the four that are incredibly tough are all on the road. So if they can get through uh, to, what would that be? The Sunday of Thanksgiving at 8-3. and three, That shouldn't be too bad because then they host the Cardinals, host the Falcons, go to the Bears, go to the Jets, host the Lions. So, you know, the Falcons we think are going to be pretty strong this year, but don't think the Cardinals will be that great. Bears probably better. Jets probably better. Lions, eh. So those they they finish with an easier slate. Their last five is not too bad, but those middle five right after the bye are tough. That could be the toughest five game stretch that we've seen at least so far, if not completely when we're when all is said and done. But I still think that the Packers with Rodgers are tough to beat. Uh, I don't think they're going to go, you know, fifteen and one or fourteen and two, but I think this team is definitely good enough to go um, at least, I think, eleven and five. Uh, and I, I'm going to pick them first. I'm going to pick the Packers to win the division at eleven and five. Uh, Justin had this to say about the Packers. He says he's they're better than last year, but he still says nine and seven. He thinks Rodgers has a big year, but they don't. He doesn't think they have a whole lot else. I I disagree. Just but I, I shouldn't say that. I, I kind of agree that I don't know how much else that they really have, but I think the most important thing is the quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers is a guy that can win you games. Uh, they've always had issues at running back. Are they gonna? Is Aaron Jones going to be anything when he returns from suspension? Is it, they going to go with Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams? Will they produce anything? Probably terrible fantasy options. But they still have Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb at receiver. They added Jamon Moore uh, in the draft, so they'll they'll be okay. You know, Geronimo Allison, uh, Michael Clark, Trevor Davis. Someone's gonna have to step up from that group uh, to form a nice uh, a trio with Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. Um, but remember, they also added uh, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, plus also have Lance Kendrick. So they could be using uh, two tight ends with uh, a few of their receivers, Adams and Cobb, and they'll be okay. Uh, they still have um, Bakhtiari and Bulaga along the offensive line. And, 
uh, Jason Spriggs as well. So they have a couple bookend pieces and rotational depth guys that hopefully will keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Defensively, we'll see what 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 happens. Uh, with adding Wilkerson could be huge. Uh, him and Daniels could be beastly uh, in the three four ends. And uh, linebacker, you know, a lot of people still love Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, Jake Ryan. They're okay. I, I mean, I think Clay Matthews has seen better days, but at one time he was a terror, and he's still very very good. Uh, we talked about them adding Jared Alexander. Uh, to the secondary as the fir- their first round pick, they do they got rid of Randall, but they still have Clinton Dix. They brought back Tremont Williams, um, Davin House, so I think they'll be okay in the secondary. Probably not great, but good enough that I think they'll go eleven and five, and I'll have them winning the uh, twenty eighteen NFC North. Uh, real quickly, had some texts here uh, about what we've discussed so far. If I can find them. And we're here we go. Um, so my dad says he thinks this NFC North is the weakest division. Uh, he thinks the winner of the division is going to be nine and seven. Wow. Okay. I don't know about that. I don't think I can get on board with that. So I had the Packers at eleven and five, and this next team I'm about to talk about. Remember, they went thirteen and three last year, and while they lost their quarterback to the Broncos, who we have already talked about, they brought in Kirk Cousins, who physically and statistically probably a better quarterback although you know I Justin and I kind of talked about it when we did talk about uh the Broncos uh you know what they were getting um in uh Case Keenum I couldn't think of his name what they were getting in Case Keenum and I don't know I think it's 50-50 on who I'd rather have Case Keenum or Kirk Cousins uh and, oh, he also said, where did Nelson go? Jordy Nelson went to the Raiders, which I think we talked about on our first show when we started this way back in May, when we started talking about the 2018 NFL season. Jordy Nelson signed with the Raiders. So, Minnesota Vikings, we already kind of talked about last year, 13-3, first in the north, um, had that thrilling win over the Saints in the divisional playoffs before getting blown out by the Eagles, uh, who were on their way to winning the Super Bowl. What's happening this year in 2018? It's their fifth season under Mike Zimmer, uh, but they are actually all of a sudden quickly. Um, they have a little bit of um, you know, off the field. I, I don't want to say issue, just kind of um, that they, they're hurting right now because shockingly this morning it was reported that their offensive line coach, someone um, that I'm familiar with from his days with the Dolphins, Tony Sperano, uh, passed away. Uh, very young. Um, I think he was 56 and, uh, he, he passed away. So, um, you know, the whole NFL is think sent out their uh, condolences and their thoughts. And, you know, uh, me and Justin, same thing, thinking about, uh, coach Sperano and his family and the Vikings organization on this, um, tragic and sudden passing of Tony Sperano. Um, so hopefully they can, uh, they can celebrate him and, uh, think about him during the 2018 season but the Vikings last year had an incredible season with Case Keenum and they did so with their uh one of their best players at least their best offensive player and Dalvin Cook going down for the season early and they were still able to get the 13 and 3 now he'll be back this year uh, I don't know if he'll be ready to start the year or not. Those ACL injuries are tough sometimes, but 
Uh, they do have Latavius Murray, who looked very good for them last year, and I, we already talked about them bringing in Kirk Cousins for Case Keenum at receiver. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Laquan Treadwell, Kendall Wright, they're okay in that department as well. And at tight end, they still have Kyle Rudolph. So offensively looking pretty good along the offensive line as well. Pat Elflin, probably the best center in the game right now. And uh, they brought in Riley Reif, and they have Mike Remmers. Uh, you know, decent, above average, very good offensive line. And it starts in the middle. Um, the smartest offensive lineman is the center. And they've got one of the best in the games for sure. Defensively, they have some pretty big names along the defensive line. Linville Joseph, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin getting the job done in the trenches. And then at linebacker, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks uh, holding it down at that level of the defense. And then you get to the... The secondary, it's it's tough for me to pick the Packers over these guys, i got to say, because I do think the Vikings are really, really good. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander is the big one uh, with Terrence Newman and Xavier Rhodes, and then Andrew Sandejo and Harrison Smith. Oh, and I didn't even mention Trey Wayne. So, yeah, they've got an electric and crazy talented secondary in Minnesota. And, well, um, you know, I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to put Minnesota. I'm going to put them at two because I said I'm going with the Packers. I'm going to say Minnesota second, and I think they're only second by tiebreaker. And I think I'm going to have Minnesota at 11 and five as well. So uh, I'm going to have Minnesota in second, losing the tiebreaker to the Packers. Both teams at 11 and five because I even if I say Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins is a push, this team won 13 games last year. I, do I think that they're that much worse this year? No, not really. But get, winning 13 games in the NFL is really tough to do. So I think they'll small step back, but they are very good. And I'd be shocked if they weren't in the playoffs, honestly. Uh, I definitely think Minnesota is going to be uh, a team to reckon with, and uh, they're just going to be a slip-up. Either they're going to lose both to the Packers, or they're going to split but have a worse divisional record or worse conference record, whatever the tiebreaker may be. But I think this uh, Vikings team uh, could very well be as good as the team from a year ago. And Justin had this to say about the Vikings before we move on. Let's see. Justin says, 11-5, same as me, similar to last year. But he says because Green Bay is better than last year, I think that could eat into the Vikings a little bit. But, yeah, so I think uh, my dad thinks the NFC North is one of the weaker divisions. I think they're getting better. I don't. I, I think the weakest division is probably, probably say, AFC South, probably. You know, Jaguars. Texans, Titans, Colts. I think there's a lot of unknowns there with the Texans and Titans. And while I like the Jaguars, I, I just think they're going to be the division winners there because they're going to beat up on some of the other teams in their division. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm high on the Vikings and Packers this year. I think the Bears will be better. I think the Lions get a little bit worse. So, all right, let's jump over to the AFC North now as we wrap things up here. Second half of the show. AFC North has been mostly dominated by the Steelers for a number of years. Uh, but the Bengals and Ravens are usually right in the discussion. And then there's the uh, the Cleveland Browns. But 
are things going to be different this year? Again, um, we're start alphabetically, so we'll go Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Looking at the AFC North as it sits now, it's been this way since 2002. The only team to not win the division since it became uh, the four-team AFC North prior to the 2 season is the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have not won the division since 1989, and that was when it was the AFC Central. And a team that has won this division or this iteration of the division going back to uh, when the division started in 1970, when the AFC Central started in 1970, more recent division winners than the Browns, that would be the Houston Oilers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tennessee Titans. Yes, three teams that are not even in the division anymore have won the division more recently than the Cleveland Browns. I'm not going to bang the drum this year for the Browns, at least in terms of winning the division, but... I do think they're going to be better, but let's not jump to Cleveland yet because they're the third team we're going to cover. We're going to start with Baltimore, a team that hasn't won the division since 2012 and has only been to the uh, playoffs as a wild card once since 2011. That was back in 2014. So they haven't made the playoffs since 2014. So three years without playoffs for the Ravens, usually at least since they uh, moved to Baltimore, when the old Cleveland Browns, when they moved to Baltimore, uh, a little unusual. There's not too many years that uh, the Ravens miss the playoffs when they, when they do. It's just a year. So missing it now uh, three years in a row, 15, 16, and 17, uh, out of the normal for them. Uh, but the Ravens last year finished second in the AFC North, but were 9-7, and seven, shut out of the playoffs, and uh, they were pretty awful. Oh, I shouldn't say they were average below average entering their bye at four and five and losers of three out of four. Uh, but they did rebound in the second half, winning five of seven and losing to the Steelers by a point and the Bengals by four on the last week of the season. Uh, now they didn't really beat anyone of note. Uh, on that in that second half, they beat the Packers, who were without Aaron Rodgers. They beat the Texans, who were without Deshaun Watson. They beat the Lions, who were average last year. They lost to the Steelers. They beat the Browns, who were the Browns last year. They beat the Colts without Andrew Luck, and then they lost to the Bengals. So, not a lot going on for them. Uh, even you know, even though they were winning, they weren't really beating anyone. So it was tough to see them doing anything if they made the playoffs, which they ended up not doing but they did improve on their previous season uh, when they went eight and eight so they beat up on some powder puffs at the end of the year to get to nine and seven finish second in the division um they've added a offensive weapon in Hayden Hurst in the first round of the draft uh the tight end from uh, uh South Carolina and then they brought in Lamar Jackson with the last pick in the first round the electric quarterback from Louisville and uh he is the understudy and heir apparent to Joe Flacco whenever he hangs him up. Uh, they also added uh, NFL legacy product Orlando Brown Jr. He's a tackle from Oklahoma. And I think that's probably it. I don't know that I need to talk about any more of the draft picks, but those are the big ones. There are reports that the Ravens offense is running some two quarterback sets. I assume Flacco and Jackson are the ones everyone expects to see, but remember they did sign Robert Griffin III as well. 
Um, at running back, kind of a, a mishmash of parts with Buck Allen, Alex Collins, and Kenneth Dixon. Who knows going to get the rock more often. Uh, at receiver, they brought in Michael Crabtree. They still have Brashad Perriman, although this could be the end of him in Baltimore. And they added Willie Sneed from the Saints. I talked about them adding Hayden Hurst at tight end. Uh, they still have Max Williams uh, from Minis- from the University of Minnesota, came out early a few years ago, but hasn't developed as they would have liked, necessitating the Hayden Hurst selection. So, uh, offensive line, we talked about them adding Orlando Brown Jr., and they still have um, Ronnie, uh, they brought in Ronnie Stanley, drafted Ronnie Stanley just a few years ago. Marshall Yanda is there as well, but I believe he just uh, was injured. Uh, so you can see the necessity of bringing in Orlando Brown Jr. in the third round this year to shore up that offensive line, which usually historically has been a very strong position for the Ravens. Also, usually what they do best, well, defense. And uh, they've just kind of been middle of the pack, which upsets a lot of people uh, surrounding Baltimore football. But one of the best is C.J. Mosley, the linebacker, some a guy I really wanted the Dolphins to get a few years back in the draft. And they have Terrell Suggs, though. The end of his career is coming up soon. Uh, in the defensive backfield, Eric Weddle was probably the big one. He came over, I think, last year. I think he came over from the Chargers last year and was still a beast at free safety. And he's flanked a corner by um, Jimmy Smith, who I think is coming back from an injury. Uh, and Brandon Carr, uh, veteran, and Tony Jefferson uh, plays next to Eric Weddle. So a veteran uh, group there, but probably on the wrong side of the uh, the age that, that you want to be at this point. So where do the Ravens fall in 2018? Well, taking a look at their schedule, they do have to go to the Chargers near the end of the season. Um, it's a difficult area to travel to, but not great home field advantage for the Chargers, for the Los Angeles teams, really. Um, you know, they got to play Pittsburgh twice because they're in the division. They do have to play the Saints. Atlanta, Kansas City, that's a tough road trip there back-to-back in early December. I think that's a, a big saving grace for the Ravens this year is that they don't have a tough schedule especially if they can split with Pittsburgh. That would be a huge for them. Um, Justin sees Baltimore going 8-8, eight and eight, but he wants to know, is Flacco going to start all 16? I'm going to say no, actually. I don't think he will. I, but either by choice or by injury, I could see um, Lamar Jackson getting an opportunity because he's the future. He has to be. You took him with the first-round pick, and uh, you got to see wh- where he's going to go because this is Joe Flacco's 11th season. And he hasn't been great ever since they won the Super Bowl and they signed a huge contract. He has not been great. He has not even been, to me, um, a top 50% uh, quarterback in the league right now. And my dad chimes in and agrees. Flacco is overrated. I completely agree with that. I, I've, I've been saying that for a long time. He made me crow the one year that they won the Super Bowl. But other than that, I'm just not a huge Flacco fan. I definitely think he's been massively overrated in his decade plus in the NFL. The schedule sets up, though, that I think they can be good again. You know, they went 9-7, and seven, beating teams that they should have beaten while losing to ones that they weren't good enough to beat. So I think they're a middling team. I I think, you know, even so, I think I'll go 8-8. Eight and eight. I'll say 8-8 eight and eight and uh, 
now where do I want to place them though? Do I want to get really bold or do I want to, you know, I, I can't have anyone else be winning more than eight. So I'm going to say Baltimore is the second place team at eight and eight. And that's exactly where Justin had the Ravens. Neither of us are big Flacco fans, much to, uh, Justin's mother's dismay. Uh, neither of us big on the Ravens once again. And I'm going to say for the fourth straight season, no playoffs for Baltimore. Cincinnati, 7-9 and nine last year, third in the AFC North. Um, started off incredibly slow, losing the first three games. Couldn't get much going for them. And uh, they're interesting to us this year because during training camp, a former Wilson football player is trying to make the team. Uh, Junior Joseph, he's currently wearing number 48 for the Bengals. He plays linebacker. He had a, a, a nice um, four-plus year career at the University of Connecticut and is hoping to make the squad or the practice squad of the Bengals this summer. So we'll be watching that over the next four or five weeks leading up to the uh, start of the season. But overall, I don't think Justin and I are very high on the Bengals. And he actually has Cincinnati at hmm well he wrote five and 12 which we know is not possible um so i don't know if he meant five and 11 or four and 12 but he does not see good things for cincinnati this year um i can't say i really disagree with him uh not that they really lost that much i mean they lost their backup quarterback to the bills um they lost jeremy hill to the patriots uh, you know, they brought in, uh, Billy Price, the center from Ohio state in the first round. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, junior Joseph, um, guy to watch out. Hopefully he can make the roster for them out of camp, but Andy Dalton, again, he's, he's like Joe Flacco to me, although Joe Flacco's been held in high regard before and Andy Dalton never really has and to me he's never gotten to a point where he's been a top 10 guy um Flacco can say he was there for one or two years but I don't know that Andy Dalton ever was and uh you know they brought in Matt Barkley as his backup and they have Jeff Driscoll too but it's a quarterback league and I just don't think Andy Dalton is one of the top 10 guys and is going to win you a playoff game running back they have Giovanni Bernard and their big guy last year was Joe Mixon receiver they still have AJ Green uh and when they when you have him anything is possible but they got nothing from their rookie John Ross last year hopefully he can do something for them Brandon LaFell Tyler Boyd like interesting mix there but again if it's not Green and Dalton's off it's a tough tough sell for them um Tyler Eifert is he gonna stay healthy you know when he is he's a beast especially in the red zone but he's having a tough time Saying healthy, although Tyler Croft, the the backup or the second guy there, is pretty good, and they also have a decent offensive line too. Uh, Bowling, Fisher, Glenn, um, Agbui, they added Billy Price, so they have they have a nice starting five, and they have depth. So that's one thing they have going for them. Maybe they should try to pound the the rock a little bit this year and rely on Cho, Joe Mixon with a little bit of Giovanni Bernard thrown in there, and then hopefully catching the defense sleeping with Dalton the Green. We'll see what can happen. A lot of decent names on the defense for them. Geno Atkins, Chris Baker, Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson. Uh, 
a couple, uh, I believe, or at least one. Yeah, that Brandon Bell, the Penn State linebacker there. Preston Brown, Vontaze Perfect, and Vincent Ray. Uh, two of those guys, undrafted guys. So the Bengals definitely like their undrafted linebackers, which could be good for, for Junior Joseph. And secondary-wise, Darquise Denard, Dre Kirkpatrick, William Jackson the third, uh, Kaveri Russell. You know, uh, if they uh, if they can, they could do something on defense. I think the defense is going to have to put it all together if the Bengals want to be close to five hundred. Because I just I don't think they're they're close to five hundred. I, I agree with Justin. I don't know that I would say four and twelve or even five and eleven. I think they're probably more like a six and ten team. Uh, but I am going to put them. <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to say, oh, man, maybe they are. I, maybe I have to put them. I, I, I want to say 6-10, and 10, but it's t- that's tough for me because of what I want to do with the next team. So I, I'll go with Justin or near Justin. I'll say I think the Bengals um, drop off pretty big this year and go 5-11. and 11. I think uh, this is the 16th and final year for Marvin Lewis with the Bengals. That's crazy to me that he's been there 16 years because they really haven't. I mean – they won a couple division titles, but I don't know if they won any playoff games. And he's been there for that long. So, yeah, I think Marvin Lewis is probably done. I think this is his last chance. I think the Bengals are the worst team in the AFC North, and they go 5-11 and this season. So, Cleveland Browns. I kind of just mentioned it, and Justin hops on there as well. He thinks the Browns are going to go 7-9. and he says they're building, and I definitely think they're building. I seven and nine seems a little high for me after only winning. Oh wait, that's right. They didn't win any games last year. They were zero and sixteen a year ago. So it's tough for me to think that. Uh, it's tough for me to think that the Browns are going to win seven games. But you know, I'm not that far away. I think six and ten is possible. That's only one off of seven and nine. Maybe five and eleven, and then they win win the tiebreaker with the Ravens to be the third place team. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, oh, I didn't. Justin jumped into our chat. He said, do you think Flack will be the starter for Baltimore come up opening day next year? So in 2019, um, I, I, I don't know much. I should pull up the contract for, for Flacco, uh, see what, what that's about, because if he's due for a contract soon, it might be time to get, get away from that. Uh, sorry to jump back to the Ravens again here. We were just talking about, um, the Browns or getting to the Browns. Yeah. Joe Flacco. Okay. Flacco is, Oh my goodness. Flacco is signed through 2021 season. He doesn't become an unrestricted free agent until 2022. I ouchie. Oh man. He's got four more years. Look, and he's a bargain this year at twelve million because next year it goes up to eighteen and a half million. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say yes based on this. I thought he was coming up on free agency. It doesn't look that way, or it's not that way based on the Spotrack information here. He's not a free agent until the spring of 2020, or excuse me, 2022. And he'll be 37 at that time, so he's 33 like right now. I, I think he's. I think the Ravens keep him on, and I think he's the starter in 18 and 19. Uh, and then Spotrac here mentions that a potential out of the contract for him would be, or for the team would be 2020, because um, there would only be eight million in dead cap. But 
So he's 12 million this year, 18 and a half million in 2019, 20.25 million in 2020, and then 24.25 million in 2021. There is no way he's seeing that 44, 45 million in those last two years. So they either need to redo that or cut their losses after next year. But to answer Justin's questions, I do think Flacco is a starter this year, as well as opening day in 2019. Now, maybe he gets yanked in 2019 for Lamar Jackson, who will be in his second season at that point. I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I, uh, wow, that Flacco contract is looking really, really bad. But anyways, back to the Browns here as we want to wrap up the AFC North. Uh, the Browns, you know, 0-16 last year, fourth in, in the AFC North, got the number one pick um, after going through quarterback Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, and Deshaun Kaiser, who they already traded to the Packers. Uh, they're in an entire new direction because of not winning a game. They were undefeated in the preseason last year. I'll give them that, uh, beating the Saints, Giants, Bucks, and Bears. But then they couldn't win a regular season game, losing two in overtime. Uh, so in 2018, uh, Hugh Jackson is back as head coach. Uh, they're, oh man, they're looking to end their franchise record and league high 15 year playoff drought and get to the postseason for the first time since 2002. And we already talked about how, um, they have not won the division since what was it? 1989. I think it was. So they're working on. Uh, three decades without a division title. So when the Cleveland Browns come of age and get to that point, it will be quite the celebration in Cleveland. I mean, can you imagine if LeBron James and the Cavs hadn't won an NBA title a few years ago, knowing that football is the dominant sport in America and having the Browns be your team. Um, and I'm well aware who my team is, but I've seen them win division titles. I haven't seen them do much else, especially when playoff games, which. Uh, the Browns might have a playoff, more playoff wins than the Dolphins do in the same time frame. But anyways, I mean, yeah, it's not great to be a Browns fan. But like Justin says, he thinks they're building to something. And I, I tend to agree. Uh, they brought in Jarvis Landry and Tyrod Taylor. We talked about them trading for Demarius Randall. Uh, they had two top four picks in the draft. And the first one they went with was Baker Mayfield, which was a bit of a shock to people, not a shock that we didn't know was happening because it was kind of leaked out that it was going to happen. Uh, they made it official at the first pick, and then they came back and got Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State, uh, got Nick Chubb with their fourth pick, the second, their second pick in the second round, the running back from Georgia, uh, another good pick there. So they go with Mayfield and Chubb at quarterback and running back instead of going with something like Saquon Barkley and... Josh Allen or, or uh, you know, any of the other. Uh, they weren't going to get Darnold at four, but, uh, yeah, Josh Allen or Josh Rosen could have been there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if Denzel Ward becomes a stellar shutdown cornerback or people are going to be talking about that miss for a long, long time. So Baker Mayfield, they don't think he's going to start. It'll probably be Tyrod Taylor. That's kind of why they brought him in, probably for the best. Uh, but uh, their backfield, the rookie Nick Chubb comes to join Carlos Hyde coming over from the 49ers and Duke Johnson. That's a pretty good trio right there. At receiver, Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, 
Jeff Janis. Okay, I, that's that's a good quad right there. I you know they got speed, you got overall talent, you got slot possession. That's that is a very good receiving group. Tight end, uh, Darren Fells and David Nyoku. All right, yeah. Offensive line. Now <laughs> they lost their uh their biggest and best offensive lineman uh to retirement, but you know that happens sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but I, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that he didn't he didn't stick around because, man, they're they're building something there. Um, Joel Batonio, uh, Spencer Drango, Greg Robinson hasn't lived up to draft status, but still, um, J.C. Treader and Kevin Zeitler. That's um a pretty good, especially interior rotation there that they've got going. If they can solidify um, their tackle spots. They probably uh, they'll be okay. Uh, defensively, Miles Garrett uh, was a freak when healthy and ready to go last year. And uh, opposite him, or I should say, along the defensive line, they have Carl Nassib, the Penn Stater, who had a ton of sacks uh, years ago and has uh, been kind of just swirling around there in Cleveland, waiting for something to happen. But if they can get Miles Garrett free and get a lot of one-on-one matchups, uh, he's going to turn into something special for them for sure. Uh, Jamie Collins, Michael Kendrick, Christian Kirksey, a pretty decent trio of linebackers. Again, they got Jamie Collins from the Pats a couple years ago in a trade. Michael Kendricks was just released by the Eagles and lands there, shoring up the linebacker position for the Browns. And in the secondary, well, we already talked about them uh, bringing over Demarius Randall in a trade. Great get. They have Jabril Peppers now in his second season, and they added Denzel Ward, who they obviously think is going to be quite the impact player in the NFL. Now, a team that wins zero games, winning five, six, seven, seems like a bit of a stretch, but I think they can do it. Uh, I like their offensive pieces. I think their line is solid defensively. I think I think there's enough there. I think there's enough there to climb out of the basement and win four, five, even six games in uh, 2018. So I'll go. I'll say that they tie the Bengals at five and eleven, but I'll give the Cleveland Browns the tiebreaker and say they finish in third. But a five-win improvement is great. And if Baker Mayfield comes along and learns the system, learns from Tyrod Taylor, and you know watches films on Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. And uh, you know, stays out out of trouble off the field, and not is the reincarnation of Johnny Manziel. The Browns should be moving in the right direction for sure. And well, that wraps us up here with the Steelers, the odds-on favorite to win the division. They went thirteen and three last year, lost that shootout with the Jaguars in the divisional playoffs. But I don't think there's really any reason to think that this isn't the Steelers' division to lose. And you know, my dad kind of talked about thinking. The North was the worst, and maybe he was talking about the AFC North. And if he was talking about the AFC North, I completely agree with him there. Um, the I think the AFC North is probably the worst division in football because, other than the Steelers, I just don't see how there's any way anyone but the Steelers is going to win the, this division. Thirteen and three last year. Justin has him going ten and six, um, and I think with that division, I think they should easily go ten and six. I'll say eleven and five. Uh, but there's really no reason that they they shouldn't win at least at least 10 games at least 10 games you know they have a 
nice quarterback roster now with Roethlisberger nearing the end. They drafted Mason Rudolph. They've been going to Landry Jones as the reserve. They also have Joshua Dobbs. Now, this could be the last year running back Levian Bell in Pittsburgh. He never signed a long-term deal, but we'll see if uh, he reports on time or if he gets back in time for the regular season. Uh, they'll have to go with James Conner and uh, Stephen Ridley and Fitzgerald Toussaint if Bell isn't ready to go. Wide receiver, well, we know Antonio Brown's the best, excuse me, best in the game. And they also have Hayward Bay, Justin Hunter, and Juju Smith-Schuster, who burst onto the scene last year. And that's quite the receiver core going for Roethlisberger. And then Jesse James, the outwall, is paired with Vance McDonald, excuse me, a tight end. Solid, solid group there. Offensive line is settling in with Ramon Foster, Marcus Gilbert, uh, David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, and Alejandro Villanueva. Again, another very solid, above-average, and strong group of linemen there. Defensively, um, they have McCullers, one of my favorites at no tackle with Javon Hargrave. Uh, ends, they brought Alualu, Alualu from the Jaguars a few years ago to go with Stefan Tuitt uh, and Cameron Hayward, Hayward. A great, great defensive line there in Pittsburgh. Shouldn't surprise anyone. Linebackers haven't met the fit the bill, you know, been the best over the years uh, like we were used to them being at least, you know, about 10, 10, 15 years ago. But TJ Watt had a great rookie season and they, he looks to uh, get even better this year. And we'll see if they can get anything out of Bud Dupree. And just wonder what they're going to do inside um, with Ryan Shazier uh, not ready to play. And he may not ever be able to play again. We'll see what happens with him. Hopefully he can continue his stellar recovery and get back on the field if he so chooses. Uh, DB, again, another issue for them over the years. But they did bring in Morgan Burnett from the uh, Packers. And they have Joe Hayden, you know, the... the uh, Brown's cast off one time, you know, thought of as one of the best corners in the league. Uh, not too much else to say, you know, average, I'd say average. So that's probably their biggest weakness, I'd say, probably in the secondary for them. But again, being in that division, they should be okay. Uh, they got tough game with the Chiefs early in the season and the Falcons as well, but both of those are at Heinz Field. Then in the second half of the season after their bye, they have Carolina at Heinz Field. They do get the revenge game at Jacksonville. Um, and they get the host of Patriots. So their biggest away game all year is probably Jaguars. Now they play at the Ravens two weeks before that. And that's a rivalry game. So you can't cut, count that out. But their toughest games, Chiefs, Falcons, Panthers, Patriots, all at home. So again, that just reinforces me that the Steelers are the best team in the AFC North and there's no reason that they shouldn't win the AFC North probably by at least three games. At least three games. They went 13-3 last year. I think they go at least 10-6, and 11-5 and five, uh, easily. It, things would really have to fall apart for them not to do that. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining me here this evening to talk about the NFL. Try to wrap up our NFL previews here with the AFC and NFC North divisions. Next week, I'll talk AFC East and move on to um, the full playoff alignment and our Super Bowl predictions, and I'll make sure to talk to Justin about what he expects, and uh, then we'll be done for a while. We're going to focus on high school football and the Bulldog Hour in August. So 
Uh, I think that's pretty much it. So thanks for joining us. This wraps up the 263rd episode of the Joe Mays and JRF show. Be sure to tune in every Sunday at 8.30 on JMNJR Radio. Um, hey, you know, hit us up on the social links. Visit the website. Like us on Facebook. You know the deal. Um, but pretty much, uh, thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and j Show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Facebook Live and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRaf.com. The Joe Mays and j Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit jmnjrradio.com.